present day. Present time. Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. I am your host, John Garcia, and with me on this episode is co-host Ryan King. Hey, I don't even know. I have nothing. My brain is still melting from re-re-re-re-watching this and trying to understand new stuff, so I have nothing for today but brain melting. Yeah, I am right there with you. My brain is mush um, for all the right reasons, I think. I'm not entirely (laughs) sure. Uh, I, I think Ryan, I might be you, and you might be me. I'm not entirely. Yeah. I don't remember what identity I'm is. Not anymore. sure which version we're dealing with of of each of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, but one one thing I do know is we have a guest, uh, a, a returning guest. It's uh, Matthew, aka Gino Hino. Hey, Gino, what's up? Hey, everyone, I'm back again for number three. Yeah, yeah, here he is, returning champ. Uh, <laughs> returning, um, <laughs> the most guest uh, spots on Afterthoughts so far. Very nice. Very nice. This is such a hard one to talk about too. Like Bo was afraid I knew it's gonna be a challenge and this is like probably even more of a challenge to be honest, to try to get some coherence out of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's I honestly have no idea how this is gonna go. I'm really <laughs> excited and nervous to get into the discussion, and I feel like that's the right amount of anxiety that this uh this episode hmm. demands. Um <laughs> so uh, for everybody out there who's wondering why we're all kind of afraid of this, I don't know if it's afraid is the right word, but it, you know, it's definitely a daunting task to talk about this uh, show that we're going to be discussing. Uh, it's an anime from the late 90s. Uh, it's called Serial Experiments Lane. Hello, Navi. Hello, Lane. It was suicide. She jumped off a building last week. The teacher told everyone. But if she's... she's dead... Then we shouldn't be getting any email from her. I have only given up my body. You see, by sending you email, I can use the system to explain to you that I am still alive. You know, Lane, in the real world, people are connected somehow. That's how societies are created. You can live and communicate in both worlds. There's nothing to be afraid of. I'm not scared. Not really. We saw a girl who looked exactly like you. But last night, I was... Who in the hell are you? I am me. I'm the only me, right? And there isn't any other me but me. Isn't that right? I didn't even know how to describe this show. You take The Matrix, and you take Akira, and you take Donnie Darko, and you merge yeah. them into <laughs> something that just melts your brain over the course of 13 episodes. It's a limited series. I loved what it was. I just don't understand. I still have no words, really, for it. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hopping in and talking about this with y'all. I would love to kick it over to Ryan first, since Ryan, you'd seen this once before or b- many times before. How many times have yeah, you watched this? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how many times I have watched it. Um, for me, th- this would be around the time I was really getting into anime more proper. So I'm very certain I probably saw this on VHS to begin with. Um, probably a legitimate vhs copy it's questionable 
I'm, I'm fairly certain I saw a VHS copy of it, which is the right way to watch this in like old ass grainy VHS quality on a CRT, like old ass television. Uh, and then I would say, I know I own the DVDs at some point when they came out back when I think Pioneer licensed it. Uh, and then I have watched it under questionable means downloading back in the day <laughs> and like very, but various times, because it is one that I've kind of come back to a few times and each, each time I've, I don't think I understand it anymore, but I appreciate some other parts of it or I have a different kind of impression or feeling of some of the things and this, I would say definitely these are some of the anime around this same time that kind of shaped me of like this and ghost in the shell and, and Akira, uh, things that ran on like the sci-fi channel, like like Robot Carnival and Armitage of the Third. And all of these things were very not American. Um, and, and then also just like the, the technology. I've always really liked sci-fi. And so that's something that I come back to over and over again. And this one, it, what's interesting is at the time, is internet was new to me even. This is like 98, I think, right? 97, 98. Yeah. Then it came out in Japan. I'm not entirely sure when it when it came over to the States. For me, it was like high school. I know that I first saw it. And it we had an idea of what the internet was, and we have an idea of what we thought the internet could be. And this is one of those where it starts to hit on some of the more questionable parts of the internet that at the same time there were a lot of concerns of like, who are you really talking to? Who's behind these masks? How much connection is there? What's out there? Like all those kind of concepts that I think now, especially the like young girls losing themselves and their personality being completely beholden to the internet and their phones and th things like that, that wasn't true at the time, but is now a really major concern. It's interesting how some of this came to be. All the wires and all the connection and the, the bulky ass computers, maybe not. That's kind of gone away. But um, it, it, that was something that even at the time, it kind of interested me of like, oh, is this going to be the horrible, horrible future that we have? We're in a different kind of dystopia now. That we, you know, a, a brighter, shinier, less hummy one. But uh, still, like, I, I've been captivated by that. It is also something that's like, it's avant-garde, I would say, right? Of like, it's really hard to tell, especially in those first few episodes until you get the gist of it. Like, what the hell? Who are, who's who? What's going on? It does these weird things with like text in between the shots. Time kind of flows weirdly at times. People are there or not there. It's unclear if they're, you know, are certain people the same people? Stuff like that kind of just like floats for a while until you kind of just are living in the show enough to kind of be like, all right, I'm just going to kind of go with it. And then it does that wonderful anime thing of just like saying shit that I'm like, is that scientifically accurate? Conducting sensory deprivation experiments using a variety of techniques, such as Native American narcotics and isolation tanks to probe the depths of the human unconscious. John C. Lilly believed his experiments connected him to cosmic entities by way of a broad-based communication network. Lilly dubbed the beings that were guiding him ECCO, Earth Coincidence Control Office. I have no understanding of what that is or means. And they use words and I'm like, all right, it sounds cool, but that doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just that that it, it just uh, I've liked it. And I do think it has sort of some twists and turns, so to speak, through the later half that kind of make you question just everything. And I, I like that. I really like that. So, yeah, cool. But I'll Matthew, you you can uh, jump in. I'd like to hear your thoughts. And I don't know, sure. Matthew, what's your anime background familiarity would be good to hear, too. Uh, I am, I've seen a couple here and there, but I wouldn't consider myself, like, uh, an expert by any means. Like, my favorites have been, like, Monster, 
and then just the typical like Dragon Ball Z and all the ones from my childhood for sure. But Lane is like a totally uh it's like comes over the left field. Um some of the stuff here in the show is so reminiscent of what we see in like the final movie from the first run of Evangelion, like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. reality mixing stuff. Um and then they use like documentary footage, I think, or archival footage they insert. Um, it gets really weird really quickly in, in the last couple episodes. And um, yeah, I, I'm pretty much at a loss of words. I, I try to find some like explanations online, and even those are quite hard to follow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it really sent me for a loop. But I mean, that said, though, I mean, it is confusing, but like you mentioned, it's avant garde and it it certainly captures some sort of weird era that was the 1990s of the internet. Um, and it does, it's still extremely um, relevant to what's going on today. So um, I could see like connections. I could definitely relate to some parts, but this one is one that would require like, I mean, this is like a master's or PhD thesis level of uh, unraveling <laughs> to, to be able to understand. Ava definitely is an influence here and Ghost in the Shell as well. Those are both like two or three years before and they have their elements in here of kind of the internet. And then I would definitely say the like reality changing or whatever that happens towards the end of both of these is also kind of, yeah, very similar. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny because I, I, when I, when I started watching it, I've sent like two or three people into this anime without having seen it myself. Um, it's like this weird redirect where my brother always said, like, it's really great. You just have to, and somebody else at like a previous company was like, dude, you got to watch all the episodes in one day. And I was like, I don't know if I could do that. Uh, but he's like, I swear by it. Um, and I had a friend who is really big on anime and I was like, Hey, you can borrow my Blu-ray copy. Cause they did a restoration and apparently the restoration was really painful. Um, I, I actually read like the booklet yesterday on sort of the interviews with the editors and the production team. And they were like, yeah, we had like films, like negatives that had been edited after the fact. We had um, like different reels that we had to figure out how to do composites on. And like we had to bring the colors up. We had no color tone maps um, and we had to figure out how to like restore it from that. So just like knowing that that effort was there, I was like, hey, uh, this anime was worthwhile. Like you should go check it out, my friend. And she went and dug into it and then got back to me and was like. I don't know what you just gave me. I mean, like it was good, but I don't know what that was. And I was like, okay, so it's like, I've heard the same thing from pretty much anybody who's gone in is it's like, you send somebody into a cave and they come out and they try to explain what they've seen. And you're like, get out of here. I'll, I'll go into the cave now and tell you what it is. And then you come out and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, on the heels of us talking about Haru and then, uh, all about Lily Shushu, I was like, Hey, uh, Matthew, you seem to be really into exploring like relationships in the, the budding digital era. And I know this has something to do with it. So I, I remembered like the first four episodes and being like, this was interesting. Okay. Yeah. Let's do this as an episode. That was sort of the impetus for me being like, Hey, Ryan, you want to do this too? <laughs> um, and it, it gave me a good reason to like force myself to sit and watch it. And, uh, like, yeah, I just, I have no idea from the start to the finish. Yeah. And like the first three episodes, it has that same effect where, um, I don't know if, uh, Gino, if you've seen fully Cooley, but fully Cooley has the same kind of like disorienting it's from the Eva, um, creative team. They basically like, after they got done with Evangelion, they were like, all right, we have budget to do six episodes, whatever we want. Let's just throw our brains together and make something wild. And the first episode of that show 
you're just like lost. Like the whole thing is disorientation. <laughs> and then it evolves into a kind of a beautiful story that is abstractly about adolescence and growing up. Um, this had like that same vibe where I'm like, I don't know who the characters are. Uh, the art style. I, I really loved some of the arts, uh, the, the way that they do negative space in this, like Lane walking downstairs in like an overexposed staircase. That's just like shadows. And you, your brain is piecing together where the steps are based on her movement. Like it's just beautiful animation, like beautiful techniques put together to, to trick your mind into this sort of like seeing where these things connect. And I think it fits so well with the rest of the surrealism. Um, but yeah, like from, I guess from start to finish, this is really some metaphysical shit about how like the digital era is tapped into a subconscious level. Right. And I'm kind of curious what y'all think about sort of the, um, the final, I I don't even want to get into like the real spoilers of it, but it's hard not to, I think even if you talk about the spoilers, nobody will understand what the whole series or show is. Am I, uh, am I wrong in assuming that? (laughs) I don't know. No, you're definitely right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure I know or could even explain it back. Like every time I watch it, I'm like, Oh, okay. Oh yeah. All right. A little bit through part of it. I'm like, okay, now, all right, I kind of remember that. What does that mean? So yeah, no, I don't even know if it helps. Yeah. I guess like the, the, the main thing is to get a grounding and probably just give a synopsis because we've talked a bit around it. I don't think that we've actually talked about what it really is beyond. It has something to do with the internet. It has something to do with um, these kids like finding themselves in a digital era. Uh, but, but the basic premise for everybody out there who has watched it or hasn't watched it, um, we all just need to recalibrate right now and log into our navvies. This is the story of Lane. She's a young girl who has been kind of aloof and out of the, the technological loop and decides to um, when a, a student at her school commits suicide, she decides to get a uh, a new Navi system, start connecting to the Wired, which is the internet. And everybody says that they're receiving emails from this student who's committed suicide. Um, shortly after that, just a lot of weird shit starts happening. People seem to be under the influence of some power that isn't their own or some cognitive force that's driving them to do things in the real world. And everybody talks about there being a God in the wired or there being something in there. Um, and we're treated to throughout the entirety of this, uh, just sequences of Lane exploring the internet, uh, and the wired in like a physical presence. And that's where like the avant-garde stuff comes in. How do you represent that without showing somebody just leaning over a computer <laughs> and typing into the interface? And it gets really weird real fast as the computers start building and filling rooms and whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, so how would y'all classify? Would you break this show into different chunks? Do you feel like there's an arc to it, or do you feel like it just flows like a stream? There kind of are some disparate chunks that you could frame around the changes in Lane, because at the beginning, she's very shy. She practically doesn't talk. Uh, throughout the course of it, her parents uh, seem to almost nearly ignore her. Uh, her family members are not very good. Um, and then as she, there's this other, maybe this other lane that appears at this nightclub and a few other things. And she also takes a change kind of in the first couple episodes where sometimes something will happen and she seems to completely change sort of to this other lane that is the wired representation of herself. And I think then when you kind of get, there's sort of a middle chunk where she more gives into that. 
And then kind of the last, there's like a part where she just sort of flips and there's like the last third where we kind of are off the, off the rails towards the end. Um, so I think the beginning is just kind of that, like she's getting comfortable going into the wired. She's researching, she's learning more. She's changing a bit as it goes. And we have a middle chunk as she's now researching it. And we've, there's all these other forces working to fuck with her and fuck with her mind. And then the end is just kind of like all of it, almost like expo dump and sometimes too. Yeah. I also wanted to wear like a, like a bear pajama hoodie. That looks so comfy. <laughs> I was, even when I first watched that, you know, back, back in the day, I was like, that just looks awesome. I just want the little bear hoodie with the little ears on it, which now is like all over the place. Like back then, I feel like that was a Japanese only kind of thing, but yeah, it's, it's made its way to the mainstream in the West coast or the, uh, yeah. the you know, the West. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually kind of curious. Uh, so Gina, what did you think of the way that the exposition was handled and the, these, these kind of, cause it feels like there's an ebb and flow to this where at times you're being held by the hand and walked through something. And then at other times it just flings you like straight into a pool of, I have no idea what is, what's going on or what any of this is. Yeah. You just get like whiplash, um, from, from all of that. It, it seems to be very plain and simple. Um, at times and trying to explain like what's going on in your life. And then suddenly they introduce another element or you see like, there's this like, you see like, um, like a cosmic universe thing in the shadows and in in some of the I don't know what what how do you even describe it it's like as if um the shadows in her universe have become like the wired somehow and and they're starting to uh collide and and, and like I mean the wired and the real world are starting to, starting to collide um and I mentioned earlier there is this uh reality mixing with uh animated stuff versus archival footage and they start talking about uh, it seems like real science but i'm not really sure ted nelson a scientist who studied under the two cult pioneers vannevar bush and john c Lilly, expanded on their theories he proposed a giant electronic library in satellites in stationary orbit which could be used at any terminal on earth via radio and telephone lines he called this daring concept that would make an interactive global database a reality Xanadu after the mythical country. Um, it sounds legit. Um, so there's that element as well. Uh, and then at the end, it just like totally throws you for a loop and, and you have no idea what's going on. And I want to return back to Ryan's point there in um, how Lane goes from being uh, an individual and then she starts becoming like more and more integrated into the wired and until she's like literally connected physically through her body into her own computer or navi system um and i think from trying to decipher what this is about it has something to do with um the collective consciousness because they, they reference freud a lot in those uh in those sciencey segments and it seems like she's going from just a uh individual that has like clear boundaries and into something that has like is like formless and boundaryless like kind of like ava uh at the end there um in the same way it's kind of like the uh what is it called like that orange fluid inside evangelion <laughs> yeah yeah so it starts like that and ends with like her being it's like almost describing like a singularity. Talking about sort of that sciencey stuff, there's a basis. So there's an episode where it turns into ancient aliens, and that's my shit. Okay, like I just love <laughs> as trashy and terrible as the History Channel's gotten, ancient aliens is entertaining in how dumb it lays out certain plot points. 
And I, the moment that this episode started, it basically was just delivering a ton of exposition on like, well, Roswell happened in 1947. And from these alien crafts, like Harry Truman's signature was forged on this document. And there were all of these, like this secret cabal that collaborated to take psychedelics and develop the internet and <laughs> become like infused with this subconscious. And the entire time that I was watching that, and I swear I was not high at the time, I was like, this makes perfect sense. <laughs> and it was, um, it, it honestly, like, I think that that brought a lot of the actual shows sort of theme together for me, which is that meditation of like, where do you end and somebody else begin when you enter like a digital era? Okay, let's see. I guess that I'm confused again. Am I here or am I there? I don't know. Over there, I'm everywhere. I know that. But here is connected to over there. Is that right? When you're no longer bound to sort of the physical limitations and you can message people like any night or day, like have that instantaneous feedback and people can pretend to be you and you can pretend to be other people. What exactly does identity mean? Um, and it it really hit a lot of those notes with the main plot of the story ends up being that there's a another, there was like a disgruntled worker who uh, committed suicide, like left his body behind and became a God in the wired. Like he ascended or he, or so he said, he claims that the wired is like another plane of existence that's above the reality, but it's actually a tangential plane that taps into the subconscious, which is presented as being like this, deeper dimension that nobody really knows about um but everybody is connected to there, there's like a whole lot of religion and philosophy that's heavily tied into that where that's just stuff that i'm fascinated by so when they were like yeah you know um you might not as long as somebody thinks about you or remembers you like you still exist you're here in like the subconscious um even if you're not in the real world or in the wired and that's how some of these things can like bleed through it just ended up getting more and more fascinating from that exposition point. I will say I'm not as big of a fan of uh, a show that's going to dump that much exposition on me in so rapid a way, but I feel like it works in this one. There are times where too much is said and other times where it feels like too little is said in the progression of the story. And somehow I think it all evens out in a really weird way. Like there's like a guy who just professes that he loves Lane after they leave her trapped in her room we still haven't figured out just exactly what you are we'll probably never know for certain but still i know that i love you lane love certainly is a strange emotion now isn't it and i was like this guy had no interaction with lane through anything else <laughs> i have no idea what the hell he's talking about or how he can love her how do you think that that factors into its meditation on identity they talk about like being remembered by people as being sort of the grounds for you having existence. There's an existentialism that's explored. Yeah, I think Alice is probably the relationship that's the closest to Lane and ha ends up having the most effect. She's sort of dragged along by some shitty friends at the beginning. Uh, they're supposed to be like junior high, like 14, 13, 14 or something like that. And they go to this nightclub um, all the time and they like drag her to this nightclub. Um, but Alice ends up becoming more a realistic friend and kind of, I think is really the reason that kind of pushes her at the end to kind of change the direction of where she's going. Alice, you're really okay. <laughs> Can't you see? You were always my closest friend, even without ever connecting with me, Alice. Connecting? 
What are you saying? But definitely the underlying theme that the, the Wired is somehow a connection of every computer and also every traditional communication method and then also somehow got connected to the Earth's magnetic resonance or something and then through that, like every living thing on the Earth and then this idea that I guess then it becomes exactly the same as Earth, sort of like we could live in a virtual reality or everything is virtual. Actually, getting a computer science degree kind of ruins all of the the thoughts of a computer completely replacing reality. But still, um, that then allows this like perfect communication and perfect understanding, I guess, that which is what the Aerie, the like, yes, rogue employee that just uploads himself into the internet and leaves a whole bunch of backdoors and then thinks he's God. He says he creates Lane again, unclear what that is and the same like what her dad is and all that and so i think any of these figures she potentially has that are supposed to be putting her on the right path because it's not just her dad or this dude there's all these hackers and maybe people from the government and whatever that are all trying to fuck with her and that drives her further down this path but again like there's also the paranoia and her if she has dissociative identity or what. I guess that I'm confused again. All of those things. And her sister gets like fucked up and also gets all that stuff, right? They fuck up her sister. Which is super tragic. I uh, felt so bad for her sister after that episode, just because every time you see her, she's just in a degraded state, like worse and worse. Um, But her sister has a whole moment where she gets swapped with her wired version self is that what happened i'm not entirely sure to that gino did you have any theories on what that was i was wanting to mention that too because there's a point where she looks at her door and there's like a spirit thing or something glowing in the doorway and it's never really uh they never loop back to it so (laughs) i was wondering what that was um it's yeah yeah but i think you're right she seems to get replaced um and then for most of the rest of the show, then she's like broken down like a shell of herself. She's handed a handkerchief, right? And like opens it up and reads some message that like destroys her mind, I guess. And she's yeah, slowly degrades. Yeah, it's unclear what even it. happens. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if I opened a handkerchief and it said, fulfill the prophecy, I, w- <laughs> I was becoming son of Sam or some shit like Jesus. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, that was the other thing was there um obviously since there's these two planes of existence and cognition, the the layers of the show, it was really funny because when we finished uh Gina, when you finished watching it, you're like, Man, there's so many layers to this. And like every episode's named a layer. So I was like, Oh yeah, you're not kidding. Uh we've got like religion and we have girls, kids, all this other stuff that uh gets into this mix and at the end of it, one of the final episodes is called like in pornography. <laughs> it's like, yeah. there's just so much. <laughs> and that one layers all of the episode layers before on top for its intro. It's, it's crazy. But, um, I feel like there was quite a bit of exploration of people trying to make sense of the wired throughout that lent really well to, um, trying to figure out what you're going to get out of the internet, what you're going to get out of like getting into this new headspace and this new, what what you might see as a utility and other people see as a religion. Um, like we're just talking about the guy who calls himself God, who just constantly is talking about how he can do anything there. And like, 
he he just needs people to worship him. Other people are trying to get clout the whole time when they meet Lane. They're just talking about how like you're the Lane. Oh, if I can like help you. It's that whole episode with like the Cheshire cat mouth that like always laughs around her and gives her like a really weak piece of information. <laughs> and then it's like, I can't believe I helped the Lane. I helped Lane. This is gonna make me a hero with the local users and put me back on top. There's too much hiss in your signal. It was interesting to see that being butted up. Like we also have the Knights. We haven't mentioned the Knights at all, um, which is a secret society of other hackers across the world. We only get to see like, I guess the division that's in Japan or like a cluster of people from the Knights that are there. Um, and I, I would love to talk about the wild guy who wants to pledge to the Knights. Uh, that episode with the dude who has all of the tech on him. <laughs> <laughs> just roaming around <laughs> and <laughs> constantly Terminator visioning everybody. <laughs> Did y'all have a favorite character that was similar to that kind of bonkers guy? <laughs> um, was there anybody else that I'm not remembering because he stands out so much and he was only in one episode, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think that it's interesting talking about the characters and the character designs um, because for the most part, the th- this has one of the <laughs> this has one of those where like all the human faces are a little weird the art style here is just a little off and then so many of the characters uh lane in particular has like no emotion for like the first half of this thing right she's completely almost like background even though she's our main character um and only like is somewhat distinguished by her little one piece of hair um but so many of her friends and stuff are just like basically drawn like very there's not really like distinction normally in something you would have like oh, this person has this one bright color or wears this like noticeable thing or whatever. Everyone is dressed really plainly in really muted colors. Most of the thing is pretty muted. It's almost like a black on black a lot of times on stuff. And then, yeah, to have like maybe one or two characters where they're like look a little bit different, they do stand out. There's also the uh, delivery man who's like hitting on that woman in <laughs> at the place he's delivering to. If you have any trouble with anything, let me know. I can always teach you. Huh? Hmm. You think you can teach me? Sure. I'm pretty talented. <laughs> Sounds to me like you're trying to seduce a bored housewife. Is that it? Well, well, no. I thought, well, maybe just a little. Hiya, Mom! He kept, just, like, kept hitting on her. and <laughs> I don't know where this is going. Some of the some of the character interactions, they just like stop. Like there's just a certain point that they're carried up to. And then you're just like, all right, I guess that that is done. Um, The show does no favors to you to try to explain what it's doing with any of the characters at any given time. And so, yeah, when that delivery guy started hitting on the the woman who was part of the Knights, I believe, as well. um, Yes. Then like (laughs) it then just kind of disappeared. I was like, okay, it's interesting. There's also like the so. Um, uh, at least like I'm needing to go back and like, look at what the episodes were. Cause I know in the first episode, which is weird, that's where like the, the Chisa commits suicide and people are hearing from her. And that's where we start to see, I think the episode is appropriately titled. There's just kind of this weird back and forth, um, with what Ryan had mentioned earlier, that kind of mixed media form of, we're just going to show like the screen and put text on it. And I guess that that's the visual representation of like the wired sort of reaching in subtly i'm not entirely sure still but it's like an internal monologue for somebody or it's a monologue that's spread across the wired and can digitally be heard what was the movie that we watched where they did that like every time they 
whatever that was about that relationship. And then the text would come up for like their text messages for like a significant Haru? chunk of the movie. Was it? It was Haru, right? It's Haru, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had the same thing where I was like, oh, yeah, Haru did that. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and so it's it's an interesting way to show somebody's relationship or their their dialogue without having them say it like um when chisa kills herself at the beginning of that episode she doesn't say anything that you can audibly hear it's all shown on screen in between her committing the act and uh it, it just adds this interesting sort of suction of sound out of everything so I think like the, the immediately after that silent, after she kind of delivers her silent lines, the next like audio cue is from this couple that's down on the street and this man's being very handsy with a woman. <laughs> um, and then Chisa's body just like hits like a neon sign and crashes through. It's so brutal. It's off screen violence too. And, and you just kind of get like everybody else reacting to it um, and, and feeling that out. And there are those moments where the show really doesn't want to linger on that too much. I feel like talking about like we talked about sky crawlers before it didn't want to show and glorify some of the violence that happens. And I feel like this show does a similar thing where it definitely cuts away when something's happening or, um, I think religion, the, the fourth episode, or maybe it's the third one. One of them has that little girl where people are starting to get caught in the game. Whatever the new game is in the wire mm-hmm. has a maze. Mm. And that one guy, that one kid like is running around panicking and then is given a gun and just starts like firing. Bullet charge lock gate five. Stop right there. And there's it's so abstract. He's just in a void firing bullet after bullet at something. And uh I don't, did he actually kill a little girl or is that like the blending of realities that convinced him he was in danger? Did this something like that? Because I just remember being very graphic, but nobody being around him. There was no like body to see. It was literally all his reaction. Yeah. The same as that in the second or third episode where she goes to the nightclub. Maybe it's like the third episode where Lane ends up actually going to the nightclub. And then that guy is like losing it who took whatever this drug is that warps reality and Lane ends up fucking with him by just suddenly turning around and saying shit to him, being very different than her passive self from before. Uh, but he ends up shooting himself, which is kind of an interesting way they do it where he has a laser pointer, you know, laser sight on the gun and we see the laser move away from Lane and then you see it like in his own mouth. Yeah. And then we just see like the blood like pool on the ground, like kind of pass and like splatter on Lane's face. But that's it again. We don't see the actual act or even his dead body, but we have that. It's in the back of your mind, gruesome off screen, right? Of the same kind of thing. Yeah. It does a good job. Uh, this show does a really good job of implanting those images in your head. It's very, yeah. as if Dixon was here, he would say it's a very Brissonian thing. And I would agree. I found that to be a fascinating element of it. Um, having seen a good number of other animes where often showing the violence and the action is part of like the experience where they're like, oh yeah, get right into it. Like this will shock you into this state. But um, between like just seeing the blood off screen or even seeing people isolated in a virtual environment, like this does such a good job of putting people in this pod. Yeah, you also see how, um, I think, well, it's obvious that Lane is isolated 
and it's also shown pretty well visually in that sometimes you see her in the classroom and all her classmates are like faceless. Um, she's seen walking alone and being alone most of the time. Like, I mean, much like now, just like she, she's seen like at her computer with a, with a faint glow of a screen, like just flowing all over her face. And it's, it's very much like uh, modern times. And I'm kind of amazed that they're able to capture this um, very specific type of loneliness that you get from just being online. Um, yeah, visually, it's, it's very memorable. Like, it's like the Matrix, like the green code, but much better. Uh, yeah. Like, the Navi system itself is pretty cool. Um, those, those episode intro cards, like the layer, whatever it is, it's also really memorable. Um, and we're talking about this in the Discord chat, but there's also, like, a game that's based on this, uh, this show, and it's also, like, really incredible. Um, and I was just, like, browsing online for stuff, and uh, there's a lot of, like, fan sites that are based off of Lane, and uh, they also have the same aesthetic, and it's really well done. Um, it definitely has a really strong cult following still after all these years. Yeah, and the, the sound, the way the sound is used to create that, like, hum, radio, wave, inter, you know, Wi-Fi or whatever, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's in the background, the voice in the intros. There's a couple uses of kind of, like, robotic voices. And the whole thing has the, like, dinginess of the late 90s, early 2000s internet, where everything was a little cobbled together. There wasn't really this, like, sleek UI design of everything we have now. Everything was, like, blocky and shitty and a little off-color. On the note of, like, the sound, um, some of those hums, uh, you could... They, they weren't just, like, ambient, you know. It felt like they were composed specifically for the certain scenes that they're happening in. Like, I think of... Uh, a lot of Japanese anime, I think of cicadas, the sound of cicadas in the summer mm -hmm. and that kind of ambience where it's like, all right, let's throw this track on. And it all kind of sounds the same. I don't know if there's a particular anime out there where cicadas can sound unique anymore. Um, but in this case, like the electrical hum, the sound of like Lane riding a train and looking out and it, you just hear like this alternation between the like train tracks kind of running and then the hum of the wires as they kind of go up and down and up and down and it creates this hypnotic effect and then pulls you in and then immediately it'll throw you into something else with like thoughts or somebody talking over it and it just always seems like it's serving up a new sensory experience just like one at a time for different things like if the visuals stop at any point, like there's a pause between characters and they're staring at each other, there will still be like audio in the background that is carrying on the visuals for you. It's really fascinating how 13 episodes can implant so much in your brain without needing to have all of those visuals. It, it's interesting from a legacy standpoint, Lane is well-ish known. Um, obviously, it has its versions that have come over to the states it's been done a couple i think it has a blu-ray right probably yep, i've got I think it. it had a blu-ray collection i had dvds and vhs's back in the day as it went through that media probably a laser disc somewhere um but it's not as prevalent as as you mentioned ava the differences i mean ava the mech kind of shonen main character action stuff i think brings it a little more to the surface but kind of plays that but even like ghost in the shell was well known and popular before they made a bad movie version of it anyway. Um, it also is kind of publicly, you know, in the consciousness or Akira comes up and you see reference. Um, but interestingly, so the, the, the 
the writer, the directors and uh, other people who made it kind of just made a whole bunch of stuff. But the writer also made Armitage, which I mentioned, Armitage the Third before, which is a very cyberpunk kind of thing, movie. And then later did The Big O, which I feel like is the attempt to do some of the what's reality, but throw in a big robot and the Batman Adventures aesthetic to try (laughs) to appeal to a larger audience. And it was relatively successful in the States, but not very successful in Japan. And it's also kind of faded into Mm. obscurity. But it's interesting and good, too. And I've always wondered why Lane never quite hit that. But also the way that I feel like the community used to interact with, I'm sounding like an old man the more I go into this, the way the community used to interact with the mediums, their genres or or shows in the past is kind of different. The anime conventions have exploded and cosplaying is a huge, you know, a huge deal. Communication is even more where you can meet with people, but it does feel like a lot of shows kind of like pass in and out of like they kind of they pop up, they're popular, people watch them, and then they kind of pass by. And maybe the t-shirts or whatever get shown, but there's not this like online discussion and reverence that sticks around the same way as I feel like shows then, because there wasn't as much, especially in the States, it was hard to get. And then the sort of nascent internet had these, you know, you had to go find people in a forum or create your own shitty angel fire geo cities or you host your own <laughs> yeah. server like i did that for a while too to like have stuff and then you just talked about these things like in depth in like trivia and oh my god did you see this or actually in the tra- other translation it's this and we shared fan subbed versions and fan dubbed versions and missing episodes and just there was always this like mystery at the edges of all of it that I feel like the internet has removed so many mysteries over time but it's interesting that like yeah that some of those old ones still stuck around I think because they created such a thing around them that's that people are still there and interacting and talking about it or they redo like Ava has come back up so many times because it kind of stuck around that same way where people were constantly like what the fuck did I watch it tells itself retells itself like three times within the release within the couple of years of releases it re retconned itself and then now has had new versions again it's kind of stuck around but yeah it's sort of interesting now I feel like things like this probably people would watch them and be like oh it's really great and that'd be it it would we'd move on from it yeah it, it is hard to find that I don't know if it's because of the streaming content currently or like the way that things are yeah, set Lane's, up and how Lane's also not media. streaming annoying or it's it, sort of streaming. It's not the same as some of the other things that you can find. It's an, I hate this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there wasn't like really an easy way to get your hands on this. I think it's like streaming on Funimation and that's pretty much it. Uh, I don't know yeah. how else to access it. Um, other than the Blu-ray that I bought and I'm glad I did. I have no idea if it's still in print because the Blu-ray is also bare bones. Like, I think they spent all of the money just restoring it. And they were like, fuck this. We're not putting extras in any of this. So there's like nothing, but they're like, you can have the trailer and we'll let you watch the credit sequence without the credits. Like you can, that's the extra that you get. I was like, I mean, cool, I guess. Uh, The music is still the same. When I got things on DVD, first off, I don't understand why it took like nine DVDs to put 13 episodes on, but that is the way they used to do it. And the special features we had was stereo. That's right. You got stereo. You could listen to it in stereo. (laughs) Because the VHSs were only a mono. 
and they had a <laughs> like I, I don't ask for much but uh <laughs> nowadays i at least want to see like hey we got the director to sit down for 10 minutes and talk about why he mind fragged you or why they mind fragged you in some way. Um, I mean, uh, Gino has already recommended all about, all about Lily Shushu on this show, which is uh, <laughs> like the meta documentary of something. And um, I think that that can only be gotten as like an extra on a DVD or something. I'm not entirely sure, Gino. I tried to find it. It was so hard sure to find. <laughs> it was just uh, someone had posted on Letterboxd in a comment section in the, in the, in the documentary itself. So that's how I was able to surface it. I, w- I will say uh, Lane is also on Letterboxd, which I think is a high, a high mark of something. Like they don't typically put TV shows. Um, I guess they'll put limited series, but I did not expect them to have it listed there. And it is all, I think it's pretty much five-star ratings uh, from anybody who put it there. So I was just like, okay. And all of the comments are pretty much the exact same. It's dude, what did I just watch? <laughs> I was thinking too, on that kind of legacy, on that extension, um, how like this kind of anime, not even just kind of this anime, but like a lot of the abstract and surreal stuff. We've talked about uh, Yodorowsky on this podcast before, and um, we definitely dug into things like Annihilation, where there's room for plenty of interpretation. Uh, and Ryan, to your point, yeah, like I, I feel like there's probably a Reddit. I mean, I could join a Reddit and talk with people about there it. Is. That's like the yeah, only outlet i can think of i don't know that there are like micro communities that form around these kind of like cult features anymore um and i think part of that is the the most the general idea of like mainstream now is you just consume whatever's on streaming and you acknowledge that it was good and then you move on with your life um as opposed to right now where we're sitting here all trying to figure out what the hell we just watched and knowing that like, oh, another viewing might actually help, but maybe not, but we should still do it and try to talk about what it could mean. Um, like even after seeing Bo is Afraid, I went, I was like, I got to go see Bo is Afraid again. And after I saw it the second time, I was like, oh, I got to talk with like more people about it. And I, I want to like really have that conversation. I find it way harder to find the people who are willing to dedicate time to talk about it instead of just check off the box and move on. Yeah, I can definitely resonate with that. I this is maybe not totally on topic, but um, I remember I used to be like a really big Spider-Man fan as a kid, and uh, Spider-Man Three was in production in like the mid two thousands. I must have been like twelve or thirteen, mm-hmm. and back when Google you could still filter by forum. Um, that was a really useful feature to be able to find like in-depth discussions on stuff you wanted to learn more about. Yeah, and um, there was like I don't even remember the name of the site, but it was like a site where you could find like whatever Sony was producing, and people were talking about it. And um, there was like new posts every day, and it wasn't like like now you go to like Twitter, Reddit, uh, whatever to find like discussions. And I find like unless there's like one guru that has like everything figured out, most people just are like, oh, this was good, um, and they have like some superficial level of understanding of it but this like random site i found like people were digging up like um like photos people had taken of the filming in the streets of new york uh like all this insider stuff i i don't even know if it's true or not uh looking back but um this level of like detailed like investigation is like harder and harder to find um and i don't know if that's just like a consequence of 
things being like social media be, being somewhat like monopolized by a, a small number of uh, big platforms. But but I agree, it's it's harder to find people that want to discuss things in depth. Yeah. It's also weird. It feels like the internet felt smaller. I mean, I guess technically it was, but for me, it, it like it used to feel smaller because you would find something like a message board and honestly it would be like 15 people like talking about something in depth and people would sort of like appear and then just fall off the face of the earth sometimes when you respond to them and you would like directly message each other back and forth more comfortably and now yeah on reddit like people will talk about something but you can post something within an hour there's thousands of replies of various quality um it that is just different like i i look at stuff all the time i'm like why add my voice to this yeah. right or even try to respond to someone because they may not see it or whatever everything has become so transient but not like the communication itself is transient but then it's around forever where i actually tried so, while we're all talking about this day or whatever i know yeah, talk to john about it but i'm like <laughs> so same thing i used to back in the day this is like lonely ass me watching serial experiments lane in high school um that i was like my interaction with a lot of people was online instead of in reality. And I used to go on and do uh, like role play of the shows that we watched, like the shit that was on Adult Swim when it like started bringing over a bunch of stuff. That was to me awesome because I didn't have to go out and try to find stuff. But that's what you do is you go online, you share it, you talk about it. And then Yahoo groups. Had, oh, yeah. That's the spot I randomly I ended, up, ended up on. Or yeah. That they had, I would join these groups and we would like, either make up our own stories like in the universe or pretend to be the characters and tell our own stories or whatever. And I was like, I, it clicked in my mind where I was like less embarrassed about myself over the years that I was like, oh shit, I want to go back and get that because I want to read cringy ass like early 2000s Ryan, what the fuck was he talking about? And mm -hmm. it's gone. Uh, it's all gone. Like yeah. Yahoo closed it down. I had, guess I had, it was some point where I had to download it or something. But it's like gone, and it, which is weird to me now to be like, even then I thought that stuff never disappeared, but weirdly it does. It can. Yeah. Um, and I really wish I did have that back then, but it was super cringy. And I, I don't, we didn't do one on lane, but the things I did do it on are probably somewhat embarrassing. But like it, yeah, it was just fun. Like that was the way we interacted. And the same thing, it was like somebody had seen, or actually, usually it was like someone had read ahead in Dragon Ball and knew what was coming in the show. And none of the rest of us knew there wasn't like an updated translation. They had just been able to get it and read it. And they were telling us like, oh, this is going to happen. It's going to be so awesome. Right. And the same thing where it's like, and then someone would make up some shit and you'd think it was real, like drawings of Goku and some other Super Saiyan 9 that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And everybody really bought into it for a while. Like, yeah, it was just different. There was a, a lot more malleable um, form of reality. It was like more playful. I feel like now, mm -hmm. you know, immediately somebody can just look something up and be like, that's not true. Yeah, I know that that's not true at all. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like, it's nice to be able to fact check things, but, but that's more when it counts. When you're like in a state of play and you're talking about a creative media or form of, you know, hey, this story and these characters I used to love, you know, I know a lot of people probably hated being pranked about what is a cheat and what isn't in a video game, but I loved seeing the creativity people would come up with to get you to do random shit. Like I remember there was a whole thing about how in the, like the smash bros melee, you could unlock Sonic if you did like these things and they were insane. Like it was, and I tried my friends and I tried for like nine hours solid to do it. 
and we just threw our hands up in the air and we're like, fuck this. And then we all found out that we had been pranked. Like they announced it like a week or two later. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, oh, why would, ah, oh, God. But we had like a great time just bitching about it. And it kind of brought us together in this really interesting way. Um, and it's that same kind of thing where, you know, similar to, to lane and the wired, like there's so many people trying to find communities in the wired and trying to figure out what it is. And it's being shaped as they're interacting with each other. And now everything's way more on rails and way more guarded. I, I have, whenever I was seeing like scenes in the show where lanes, like walking on these dark paths in the middle of like a void, I thought of that as like the early internet. That is like this shapeless form. Like you don't know where things are. You can kind of see the bridging connections, but beyond that, there's not a whole lot defined. And it had something else like contrasted with, uh, there's that whole sequence in one of the episodes where she goes to talk to the old man who ran the kids protocol, the kids program, um, which for everybody out there who hasn't seen Lane, uh, the kids protocol, just in short, uh, apparently some military scientist was trying to harbor the psychic powers of children by hooking them up to like several chairs that would funnel that into a central processing unit. And that would do some wild shit with just, I guess the universe. Um, but Lane goes to see him and he's like dying and in his rest home, she goes to see him in the wired and it's basically like this beautiful vista overlooking an ocean, which is probably not what his rest home looks like if I had to guess, but it's like what he shaped for himself in this kind of space. Um, and that's about the only like real concrete area. The rest of it, just whenever the real world is blending over with the wired, that's the only other time I can think you get like hard form bars around everything and like streets and things that are actually leveled out. Um, as opposed to something like you think about ready player one. Uh, I, I try not to, but you think about Steven Spielberg's ready player one and what VR looks like to that sort of imagination. It's so cookie cutter placed. It's like pop culture structures, all of it. Um, and that reality is shaped in a very believable. It's basically the exact same thing as being in the real world. It's just, Oh, now you have like King Kong and race cars and stuff. Um, I, uh, to me, it, it echoes that kind of parallel Ryan's talking about with the internet where like now that we've had enough time to gather all this data, we structure it this way and everybody just exists in this structure. There's not as much play. There's not as much ambiguity. There isn't as much like forming, uh, your own communities around things. It's all algorithmically driven. Um, the Reddit thread is exposed to you. It's, it's depending upon your preferences. Now you become one of a thousand voices, you contribute to this thing, but really you're saying what everybody else has already said in some way. Um, I, you know, I just, I hesitate to, in, to actually participate in threads that are larger than a certain population now. Cause I like to limit myself. Um, yeah, I, I've thought about that a lot more as like the internet has continued to grow in population and the platforms that we use. Um, I, I look for Twitch streams that have like four viewers because i know that that person is somebody i can actually interact with and that's the old style of the internet that i like when you could actually get a connection with somebody instead of all right now we're just like a mob <laughs> i guess we could just <laughs> run up on this topic and we'll just plow through it <laughs> and, yeah and then we all call it a day and high five <laughs> uh, and it, interestingly within lane i do think that the the lane that's like the opposite the first like digital lane that we see the one that goes to the, maybe goes to the nightclub 
yeah. um, before Lane does and the way Lane acts when she kind of like does, the, as her friends say, a 180, it, I think is back originally, you weren't supposed to use your name on the internet. You were supposed to come up with a handle that was different. And then you, the, the, the fear on the late night news was you don't know who's behind these names and they're not acting the way they would and they're dangerous. And then now it's weird because even yesterday, Darla was like reading something in the neighborhood posts where everyone posts like with their own fucking actual picture and name. Yep. And we know it's in the neighborhood and they're calling each other out from the safety of the internet, but it's not anonymous like it, it, they think that it is or that it used to be. But weirdly, I'm like back in the day, I don't know who the, what the real names were, who really these people were, but we would mail each other shit. Like, yeah. it's really weird to me, like, how connected <laughs> and how much I knew, sort of knew these people in a way more than I know the people in my neighborhood now, now who post shit and I can see their name. Like, it is strange how it changed. And it is like the communication is open more. I mean, that's the idea in Lane, too, of like, oh, we'll just open the unconsciousness and everyone will share this one, like, true unconsciousness and communication and it'll be great. But it's like, all right, we're a good chunk of the way there where everybody can talk to everybody else all they want. I'm like, I don't, has anything changed? And if it has, is it better or worse or what? Like it just is, uh, more, there's just more communication. It's just flood. Yeah. Yeah. I think going back to the playfulness aspect you mentioned, John, I think, uh, much like Haru, like it seems like Lane is also expressing that, um, a connection based on lies is still a connection. And mm -hmm. even though, like, you mentioned the game cheats, like, they were, were all, like, false, they weren't real, uh, you still, like, were, were able to make a connection and bond between people despite that. And, I mean, that's, like, I have a similar story in that in, like, elementary school, like, people would bring their Game Boys and uh, play, like, Pokemon. Um, and there's always this legend that, like, when you're like trying to capture a legendary Pokemon, if you put your thumb over the screen, it would help to like increase your chances of actually capturing it. Yeah. Um, so, and like, that's definitely not real at all, but um, we all tried it and we all had a lot of fun doing it. And uh, even though, you know, this is totally a lie, like, you know, we still really bond over it. And um, like, yeah, it, it captures that really well, I think. Cause Lane is like, she's, kind of like being invaded by people i feel like it, it it's like as if uh people are making fake avatars of her and pretending to be her online and and then people go up to her in siberia the the nightclub and are like well you're are you lane and uh and she like has no idea what they're talking about but those other people they still are, are developing this relationship with this this like entity that is like lane but not really lane so uh, this identity part is coming like full circle now and that, you know, the lies, despite the lies, like we're still, there's something weird happening and I, it's hard to really form into words. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. So mentioning that, I'm like, I haven't heard that exact, uh, but there was always something, right, of whatever it is. But I was going to say earlier, like someone would say that shit to you that you would be like, okay, really? And then try it. But at the same time, some other kid would come up and be like, dude, check out Missing No. And I busted my game like doing this. And yeah. you, you'd be like, oh my God, what is that? And it was real. And so you kind of got these, like sometimes you get something that was so unbelievable, but then worked that you got suckered into so many other ones. But what was strange about it was that maybe you would hear about it 
online, right? Yep. And then you would take it back into the real world and then tell the people around you and they hadn't heard it because not everybody heard everything instantaneously the same way now. And then it would become this reconnection, right? Lane has this like reality and online like disconnection that they're trying to merge. And at the time it was that you tended to like go to the internet, sort of get something and then bring it back. And you still had your group there and it wasn't all the same. Now, like we're all in the same digital discord talking to each other and we have like different discussions in person than the online personas. And if you find something online, you share it online. Like very rarely do you actually feel like you bring it back. You immediately send it to the other person, even like across a room you know, yeah. or in the same office, you'd be like, oh, they'll think this is cool. And I can just shoot them the link and then walk over and be like, look what I just sent you. It's it is a weird, different connectedness that is still it's separate, but it's different. And I don't feel like things necessarily merge the same way because you start to form those communities digitally and you don't merge those people either. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because I think about how uh, the different personas of Lane and uh, uh, just real quick aside, I also had a Pokemon hack that people told me about, <laughs> which was to hold down and press B and A at the same time. And it would guarantee you'd catch anything. But yeah, like the the taking things offline and telling people about it. I, I don't know, Ryan, are we just becoming older and curmudgeoned? Uh, is there some weird nostalgia that is ingrained in that kind of like I love the concept of mixtapes, mix CDs, making people physical media that has sort of a mixture to it. Right now, like my big thing that I like to do is if I'm going to show a movie to a friend, I'll make, you know, a 30 minute pre-roll for it. And that'll have clips from other media and things that pull it together to prime that because I feel like that really does a lot more to elevate the experience that I have with somebody than if I'm like, hey, check out this show or hey, check out, uh, you know, hey, just check out Haru. And I throw them into it. Occasionally, you know, I mail Ryan shit. Uh, and and he's like, he'll just send me a screenshot <laughs> via text of like, <laughs> I got the thing. <laughs> but I think that that's still like an augmented share of that relationship. It's really cool. And to see Lane show that and not only show it um, from like her perspective where, you know, we're even seeing moments in that show where she's talking to the computer. Uh, I love those kind of scenes where she's having a conversation that sounds one-sided. She's like, oh, really? You think that? And when she's talking with like the knights, they're like doing this Charlie Brown thing in their fucking weird (laughs) God body. And she's like, oh, that's really funny. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly mentally what's happening to you when you're online talking to somebody. You fill in the the voice for them. And seeing that render there is really cool. Um, But also hearing that one guy be like, Lane, I loved you. I've loved you ever since I met you or like knew about you. Um, he doesn't even know the lane that we know that we've been following. He knows some other persona of lane that is either a higher concept of cognition or just a totally different thing that he's been projecting onto. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I'm curious. Um, this show is like constantly lauded as being ahead of its time. Do y'all think that it would make sense or be as good if it came out, you know, now? Mm. it's it's pretty hard to say I, well i think my first reaction is probably no because like this is like a web web 1.0 sort of thing where you need it to be like a really basic and stripped down version of the internet for it to work right because as now it's like we have algorithms that are uh showing us what we want to see and um 
things are much more there's like a couple platforms that most people visit and in, in lane's universe it seems like there's like chat rooms and all these different places within the wires you can go to so it, my first thought is probably no like i and i mean i think about this as well in terms of like how do you even make a movie or a or a tv show that's about the internet right now without being like kind of just really stale um because we see that a little bit like you see films i can't think of one off the top of my head but like if you try to put like texting into a film right now it seems like there's not much there's not where a lot of places you can go with it um but in in that era of film and tv like you could walk away from your computer and then come back and there would be something exciting there but now it's like you're connected all the time and and trying to incorporate that in a narrative way seems at least for me difficult to imagine yeah i also think if you if you pulled it forward like if you try to update it to sort of fit more with modern technology and the need to be one step beyond that you you run into like okay do we get into like a virtual reality attempts so is it something like dot hack or sao where they like virtually get in weirdly in bell that was one thing I had a problem with. She's able to access it from her phone, but be like fully in the VR, like while walking down the street. And I never understood how the hell that worked. Um, and I think then that feels also derivative if you try to do that. Similarly, like I agree that the concepts of what it was playing with were ahead of their time, but now they're almost a little, a little tried. Yeah. The the other stuff around it, I think where it gets actually interesting with it, I think is novel and, and, and it has a lot of depth to it. But just the concept of like, oh, you get lost in your computer and um, you connect to the internet and all these things happen. And there would be an expectation that being her age, she would already be super connected to the internet and there wouldn't be any mis- mystery about it. And there isn't many mystery to the audience about it either. Kind of removes some of that. So I think I think it's hard to to nail that. I, I will call out like, uh, you, you mentioned texting. It just made me think of that TV show Miss Marvel, I thought actually did something interesting with when they send and receive text messages that I hadn't seen yet, where it actually like incorporates into the signage and stuff like as they walk or wherever they are, like around a room or past buildings or whatever, which is kind of cool. Because otherwise, that's the other problem too, is like now you just like, that's part of your movie is everyone has a text phone and and, yep. and text phone. I sound like an old man. I sound like a, my dad or something. And in those days... Nichols had pictures of bumblebees on him. Give me five bees for a quarter, you'd say. Everybody has a Blackberry these days. Yeah, <laughs> everyone has a Blackberry. <laughs> and they, you know, they message each other and that is a, the most, com- but it's like, how do you show that on a on a visual medium? It does get weird. And this does, this is okay being strange. And Haru for that, you know, as an extension too, it was a little jarring, I think, because I've seen so much that's done it differently since. But at the time, trying to incorporate those two things, you, you end up with like, it's either that or you have the like classic, someone opens a letter and then you hear the other person reading the letter. Dearest William. Yeah. You just like <laughs> split screen them as they're like writing the letter and they and you hear it as they're writing it. Yeah. The, this show had me thinking so much on what could be pulled from it stylistically. And one of the things I really like is, and this is just in general for most of the media that I watch, I like when it doesn't hold your hand and it tries to overwhelm your senses for like the first watch. I've learned that um, in my time with watching anything, I appreciate something that is not willing to add little bumpers to the story for me for the first go round. Um, Like I think uh, 
good examples are like inherent vice. I still didn't even fucking know what happened in inherent vice when I saw it the first time. Um, and I still don't really fully understand parts of it when I watch back through, but I appreciate the fact that it doesn't try to lay out certain character histories for me or tell me about these other aspects of it. And it can be overwhelming. Um, Lane has that same thing and fully Cooley has that same thing. There's a, a beautiful sequence in fully Cooley somewhere in it. Um, I highly recommend it, Gino, if you've, you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend watching it. I have it's not. six episodes and there are 20 minutes each. It's a really small, uh, kind of time to set aside and it's a fun ride, but there is one sequence where basically the score kicks in and like four or five characters start having different discussions that go uh, parallel across each other. And it just overwhelms your senses in trying to follow. And at the same time, there's text on screen trying to lay out different pieces of like a video game for these characters and what they're talking about. And it's weaving these metaphors with like actual physical uh, sort of accessories that the characters are using and in that moment, like you can only pick one thread to actually latch onto and listen to, but your brain is fighting constantly to try to listen to everybody else. And it forces you to have to watch through it again. And like on each watch, you can only pay attention to one track, but you still are juggling in your mind, like what is going on in the background. Um, and Lane did that same kind of thing where it's giving you something to follow, but at the same time, there are so many other threads that are constantly in effect, like talking about the people that show up from the wired in the real world and like those weird ethereal ghosts that you see and you're like i don't know who that is but i know like did the sister actually get swapped or what exactly happened with this and what does this mean for the character moving forward and it, by that point the show is just like ah, it doesn't matter to me like i'm gonna get lane onto the next chat room she needs to go talk to or her dad's gonna show up and say something cryptic and then leave and you're like oh okay i i guess that that works for me um and then by the end of it, you think you know what you watched, but you don't know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah I, I have no idea. I thought about one question that popped into my mind when watching it and why I asked y'all, like, do you think it could be pulled forward now is what if Netflix made this as a live action adaptation, which I know we all don't want to see. <laughs> I would rather that they just stay away from trying to adapt more animes into live action. It doesn't translate so well. Um, and it, but when I was watching this, I was like, there are some interesting techniques I wouldn't mind seeing here, but I think they would just immediately fall into horror. Like just all of the way that the visual styling is done. It doesn't, it feels unsettling in the animated space, but in real life, like if characters like lanes in a room and everybody else doesn't have faces, like that's like Jacob's ladder shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's not really like a way to make that work that would intrigue the audience without completely you know upsetting them i think yeah i don't want to see a adaptation of it, a live action japanese because it, it doesn't really even though the all the people kind of the real world stuff is okay there's so much other to it that i do think would sort of be weird and i always wonder why because they're about to do the one piece one they've only just started showing the teasers to it like why they pick the things where i'm like that's the like last thing that i would pick to try i get that it's really really popular but that's not the one to try to bring over you mentioned monster and supposedly they're they've that one's been in limbo for forever i've heard about that yeah yeah but oddly that actually is really adaptable <laughs> like that would much. be really yeah. easy to adapt <laughs> uh, as long as you did it as a show like you can't just cram that into one or two movies like it needs to be a whole long series show and it would be honestly if it that would be stupid popular if they just exactly yep. did it the same 
and just got some good actors that fit the roles, that thing would blow up in the States. It'd be incredible. Yeah, but they're like, well, the One Piece is popular. Let's do that. We'll get the guy whose body stretches everywhere. We'll animate that on a cheap-ass budget. <laughs> this will be fine. <laughs> yeah. They could have made... I think Naruto could have been better than One Piece. I mean, they're still yeah, like stretching we, yeah, arms and stuff, bit. but like, you know, you could turn somebody into a log pretty easy. I'm yeah, sure. a little cloud <laughs> happens and then there's a log. Yeah, that's, sure. that's not so the bad. The visual trickery is there. <laughs> I, I think that like Cowboy Bebop, I can see where someone was like, well, we did Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, you know, we could kind of do it and it'll work. And it's like, yeah, you could. You could have. They just, that all was fine. That part all was fine. It was everything else that got screwed up. Whoever that was another that. one where it was like this close. If whoever was writing it was shot and we started over, everything else was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've talked through probably most of what we can talk through when it comes to the show without having to go episode by episode. Uh, would you recommend it? How would you recommend watching it if you do recommend it? it it's weird to me that this ran on television. Um, because I, I this is not one that I consumed like every week waiting like I, I kind of got into anime early with just like it would be VHS's and DVDs and I would watch them several episodes in a row most in a day sometimes or it would be every night for like a week I, I did totally consume stuff at night like in college that was always I would just like flip it on and just like keep letting episodes go until I passed out and then go back and try to figure out what episode I was on. I agree it's a bad time because I used to do that with movies too and I was watching like seven oh, every yeah. night for like a week which is questionable about who I am but <laughs> I woke up in the middle of that in the middle of the night and was like this I'm not doing that again that was a bad idea <laughs> yeah. um, but the it is weird that you can't just consume it that way I think if you watch this like once a week as it came out you would, and then live the rest of your life for a week you would kind of come back to it and be like I'm, do I am I supposed to know what's going on here I forget about that yeah. Or what? It's it's probably a little, little tougher. Um, I also agree that watching it in one sitting is also going to be kind of rough. Uh, yeah, that it's uh, I always keep doing that with BoJack Horseman when I go to catch up on BoJack Horseman. And I do not recommend watching like three BoJack Horseman episodes in a row. Um, but similarly, dealing with like mental health and loneliness and all of those, it's like not too good to get too much of that at once yeah. before you get lost in it. Um, but I do think consuming it you know, maybe over a weekend, a few days or whatever, kind of taking a few episodes here and there and getting a little bit of a breather to think and then kind of come back to it, I think is the way to go. As far as recommending, I do recommend it. I actually feel like this is one that's kind of right on that line of recommending to people who are unfamiliar with anime um, to kind of give them, this is one of those that is on that list where I'm like, okay, they're kind of okay with watching it. They're not bothered by animation or reading subtitles or what have you. Um, it's never, It's never too like violence or sex or anything like that to be problematic. Um, but it is one of those that after people watch it, be like, I didn't really realize that that medium could be that or that you could tell those things. This is one of those that's like clearly not for kids, but never necessarily in like a, oh, it's just trying to be shocking way either. Um, and so, yeah, it's on that next. Like, I would actually say like Eva is one where it's like you can recommend, but I'm like, yeah, I just already have to be an anime like to watch it and just be like, okay, that's on the list of like, you, you're into it. Okay, cool. Go watch that. This is one of those, like maybe you're into it, maybe you're not, um, but that's okay. You'll actually be, you'll get, you'll kind of get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, this is something that isn't quite bingeable, but it's also something that you don't want to watch like once a week because you'll definitely get lost really quickly. Um, 
So yeah, maybe watching it like within a short-ish time span, a couple of days here and there, might be the best way of going about it. Uh, I did try to like read some episode threads on Reddit while I was watching it, but I felt like it was maybe like too spoiler heavy, even though they weren't talking about future episodes. Like, I, some of these people had definitely watched it before, so um, I mean, I think it, it's a good show. To definitely watch with someone if you have that opportunity because. It's such a complicated and very big kind of um, big ideas sort of show. Um, in terms of stuff that I would recommend to watch alongside it, um, I think you mentioned like most of them, to be honest. Uh, like Ava uh, is definitely related to this. Um, All About Lily Shushu is related as well. Same with Haru. Um, if you like that 90s uh, aesthetic, you like the internet in its early days. That's definitely also something that you would also enjoy watching. Um, uh, what else would I say? I, I think those are the major things. Um, I was I'm thinking if there's any other preparation you should do for it, but like it's something that you kind of have to jump right into. It's like we could barely explain it after watching. I I can barely explain like what the elements you would need to to get going into it so um yeah it is something you have to dive into maybe it's not for like the maybe it's not your first anime for sure yeah um, probably not <laughs> <laughs> but uh that said though it's it's such a good show um and it's so memorable and it's going to stick with you for sure um so yeah it's it's a recommend from me nice um yeah, I would also recommend it. I'm there with y'all in the bunching things up. I've been trying to figure out if there's like an appropriate way to go about doing that. Like looking at it kind of as the first three episodes for me really do lay a lot of the foundation for the rest of it. Um, and that ends up being kind of like, oh, I think about when you watch a new show now, they have like those pilot episodes are like an hour or, you know, it's like over the normal time that they would normally run just to like lay the foundation for you. And I think at least bunching the first three into one go where you're like, all right, now you're ready to like launch into what's next and doing that would, would probably be what I would recommend most people do. That being said, I do want to go and like cut all of the episodes together, cut out the credits in between, cut out the intro sequence and just actually attempt to do a full day watch myself and see how it goes. Um, I did that with cyberpunk and cyberpunk's a totally different anime. Uh, and it works really well for that. I don't know if lane will just lose me immediately or, you know, I'll probably message y'all and tell you that I'm okay wherever I am. Um, or I'll message you that I'm, <laughs> I'm in the wired and I need to get out somehow. Uh, but, <laughs> but that's my other, that's kind of like, I guess if you watch it one time, try watching it all in one go the next time, that's going to be what I'm going to try to do and see how it goes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, cool. It sounds like we would all recommend this show to anybody out there. Maybe not your first anime. I'm in agreement with that. Um, but it definitely flexes the muscle of like what the medium of anime can do. It's beyond just, hey, look, it's Goku and Vegeta and they're getting swole and getting giant Dragon Balls wherever the fuck they go. <laughs> uh, well, with that, I think that we will close things out for this episode. Thanks for listening. And thank you to my co-host, Ryan King. I, I should have just been like, there's just text. Like, whatever I'm saying to you now is just text. I'm now in the wired, and <laughs> you just can't see it on a podcast. It doesn't work the same. Yeah, we have the, the closed caption, or the, what is the accessibility <laughs> yeah. audio on for Yeah, that? accessibility audio now <laughs> plays. <laughs> um, yeah, and thanks to our guest, Gino Hino, Matthew, for joining. 
Thank you for having me on again. All right. We will see the rest of y'all in the wire. Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.